0: Is joseph and i also have a bunch of work stories that nobody wants to hear i'm your co-host peter peter i want to follow
1: up on our prior episodes discussion of the fan in antarctica yeah 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 now that we're actually checking our messages appropriately and are seeing these things hi i guess to everybody he responded he responded gabe from antarctica responded to say uh, when I said it was amazing that you know we have a fan in Antarctica, he said, got a bunch of my friends to do rewatch parties of Voyager and then listen to the show afterwards while we played Magic the Gathering. We have a tradition to watch some of the most dog shit episodes. Gabe, if I had a fan demo I could make
0: in a lab, it would be exactly you, buddy. <laughs> if he's making other people listen to us, there's a good chance, Joe that you and I might be one of the most listened to podcasts in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a distinction. Hold on. Let me call my high school real quick and see if I can get put it put in the notable alumni section. What? Was, Where's was a little country that we were like top 10 chart for like five minutes. Who was that? Uh, I believe it was Belgium. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Belgium. Anyway, yeah. anybody out there in Belgium, we still care about you, too.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know. I've said many times before, I have no earthly idea how to understand how many people actually listen to my show because it,
0: it's uh, a lot of inconsistent numbers out there. It, I'm sure that's all by careful design of however ad revenue works for whatever distribution platforms. Yeah, probably. And it's even more, uh, there, there's an additional difficulty element because we
1: are a small show still even totally in absolute numbers. And because of that, the variance is so can be so large between the data sets because our total listenership is a rounding error to large shows, you know, like <laughs> a thousand people, <laughs> which is meaningful to us, but not to someone like Joe Rogan, I guess. Sure. Hey, so, speaking yeah. of
0: confusing, uh, why don't you fill me in on your bat shit? Decision to start watching Picard season three. Listen,
1: I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that it's a good idea. I got sucked in because to some of the more, shall we say, suspicious voices I've seen, watched it and came back and said that was good that I decided I needed to see for myself. And I already subscribed to Paramount Plus anyway. So it only cost me an hour of my time. You fool. Well, that said, if this was like season one of Picard, if this is what they started with, I could be, I I think that this would be fun to watch. Certainly, caveat, Patrick Stewart is still the w- weakest actor out of the group now because of his age. And that's very sad, you know, compare this to watching just like any random scene from First Contact. And it's like,
0: again, oh, though, fuck. is it his age or is this the way he wants to portray Age. it seems so much more obvious that it's just
1: age because he just talks like that all the time in interviews too like he just he's old he's an old guy it's it happens he's in his 70s we forget that mortality can affect anyone and uh raffi is the only holdover from the Why prime raffi what i don't know it's i literally fast forwarded through most of her the two scenes that she's in the episode that are separated from the main plot. But man, Jonathan Frakes plays Riker and it's awesome. It's exactly Riker as you would expect at this point in his life. He's got, he looks like he's looking good. He's got the silver Fox beard. He's like playfully hitting a little bit on the, on the waitress at 10 forward, which is the name of Guinan's bar. But, you know, not so much that it's weird, just a little, like, I'm an old guy with some charm. And he clearly decides to go on this adventure with Jean-Luc because he sees him now as his, like, elderly dad that he kind of has to take care of. You know? Not that he's really his superior anymore. He's – it's the the relationship has shifted. I'll take him out of the room
0: in a second. I'll Your just cat doesn't want to hear about Picard either.
1: <laughs> and, well, I mean <laughs> – He's perfect. He's great. And I can already tell, like, what's going to be awesome about the show is going to be these TNG guys coming back and giving a shit and actually still having the ability to play these characters. And the guy making it kind of knows where to go with it. Like, made Seven of Nine feel like Seven of Nine. No longer a hard-drinking lesbian. Now actually, like, robot lady with an emerging personality. Just a little bit more advanced, like where she always should have been. There's this guy who plays a captain of the Titan that is a solid gold asshole. <laughs> he's just fucking perfect. <laughs> he's, he's like a captain Jellico who's like, no, I'm a serious, I'm a serious Starfleet captain. This is not, we're not doing fucking comedy in bits over here anymore. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like this is it. This is what I think uh, would have absolutely worked if it wasn't the third attempt.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll let you get uh 5 or 6 episodes deep and then we'll see what song you're singing because hey, it it's it's been a, a 12 months of redemptions.
1: Like House of the Dragon was good. It just was it was just good. Uh Andor was good. You know, Star Wars my heart clawed all the way the fuck back with Andor. That was just possibly one of the most compelling television series I've seen ever. This might be this might be the redemption arc that
0: Star Trek needs, you know. We'll see. Or I guess you'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it cannot recommend too many wounds, but I, I will survey the 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 vistas for everyone and report back.
0: Well, while we're on the topic of vistas, Traveling. wild blue yonder. Yeah, perhaps even saying one might have the right stuff for Mm. such things. Mm. Season two, episode 24, First Flight. This uh, first aired May 14th, 2003. John Sheehan and Chris Black writing it, directed by LeVar Burton. I mean, as
1: I kind of let off with there, this is essentially a Star Trek one hour version of the movie The Right Stuff. Either know that or you don't. It's a it's a movie that is considered very highly by movie people, but not necessarily a big mainstream hit. If that makes sense. So I I, I understand from our discussion that we were having before we
0: started recording, Peter, you've never seen that movie. I have not. I don't like when Star Trek does these hey, I just watched a TV show or a movie, and now I want to do that version of it. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I Uh, think uh, homaging does not feel like Star Trek's thing, and this is what this is. Which, ironically, last episode we did was the Borg one, which was very The Thing-ish, and it worked well for the little bit that that device was used. Well, I mean, The Thing,
1: we said The Thing because it's, arctic horror, but it was really could have been any slasher flick, right? Was what we were, what we could have said. We just said The Thing because it was also in Antarctica.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a big and also. <laughs> you know, if it was uh, a Borg walking out of a lake with a hockey mask on. <laughs> and I go, yeah, okay, well, it could be any horror movie that just so happened to involve uh, Jason Borg keys, but... There's, oh, there's 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 some potential right
1: there what mm-hmm. would happen if the Borg got their hands on jason Voorhees? what would that turn them into
0: jason borgies
1: yeah what how, what effect would
0: jason Voorhees
1: have on the collective
0: i don't think they would assimilate him <laughs> they'd just be like nah i don't nah, think even, th- i don't think he's bringing any sweet new tech to the to the party this episode it's been a while since i've had one where i've Taken this little notes and and given this little fucks. This thing was a snorefest for the books, almost to the point where I was getting some shades of like eleven fifty nine. And the biggest problem in all this, I think, was their choice in guest stars, which you alluded to last episode. I did such a random guy, right? Did you watch Dexter?
1: I sure did. He was the Frank London. That one, yeah, for was Yeah, a f-
0: Fed. I believe he was an old cop in Fargo and he was a FBI agent who ends up like hooking up with Deb and I all I remember was like egg salad sandwiches or something yeah he had a a weird food order and cucumber he, sandwiches
1: he helped get the bad guy of season two but got killed by the bad guy of season four or Trinity something? the guy. Trinity killer so yeah, like he shows back up and was like retired, and then
0: like gets killed right in front of Deb or something. Anyway, spoils I, for fucking Dexter. I guess talk about another uh, TV show that just threw itself away. And I know that tried to make its big comeback too. With their it did s- I don't know anybody who bothered putting the time in on it. My old boss did because he was a huge Dexter fan, and he's like, mm, no, didn't didn't really help it out. There's no saving it from what it did to itself. No. I don't even know anybody who watched the new X-Files stuff. And if you can't get X-Files people to come back around, sorry, Dexter, The
1: continuity of that show seems kind of fucked, right? Like once, you know, you have Fox Mulder having been actually kidnapped by aliens, you know, like once you've crossed into hard science fiction territory, instead of like science mystery, Mm. uh, like where the fuck are you going with these movies?
0: Right? Like we know
1: aliens are real now. (laughs) Your main character went off with them. We're done here.
0: The global conspiracy meta plot was very... Like, weren't they prepping Earth for uh, colonization, enslavement to mass-produce Black Flu? I don't know. The show went off the rails so
1: bad, there's no putting it back on.
0: I think uh, X-Files really shined in the uh, Monster of the Week episodes. Anyway, so Star Trek... (laughs) (laughs) They are off to do more science. Uh, there's uh, the Enterprise creeping up on yet a new uh, astral phenomenon. Oh boy, it's going to be some sort of a nebula that they think might have dark matter. Uh, to Paul's like, hey, this shit doesn't matter and there's nothing we can do about it, anyways. And then. It's is- just bad at science, I guess, because every time these humans just find something that they insist can't exist they prove it that it does exist in a matter of days because the humans and this kind of ties in with the episode later right and the Vulcans as a whole whereas the Vulcans will spend 10 or 100 years running computer models before actually trying to put something in as a physical application Uh humans are like what 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 if we tried lighting the fart on fire? That's our D&D racial ability. We're not really uh, inclined at magic, but as a racial ability, once per day, we can light a fart on fire. It's like, we will go, hey, watch this, <laughs> like, a lot. Well, how can we test this out? I don't. Is it, there it any makes, way we can it... blow it up? Can we use fireworks? We've got we, a Florida guy. Can we just use fireworks? I, I like that this is a
1: racial difference between Vulcans and humans for the simple fact that Vulcans live exponentially longer lives right yes they can afford to take a decade to them that's not much time to a human that's 10 percent at tops of your entire life total uh, a considerably smaller portion of your adulthood it is a long time to wait for anything so no we're not going to do that being the motivation
0: makes a degree of sense and you know the risks that they're taking can at times be offset by rewards so um archer goes well we're going to check this thing out more there's farts out there uh i want to set them on fire absolutely man can you make some charges that are going to shoot out of torpedo tubes that do not exist on the shuttle pod and then florida man goes yeah i can make you some some m80s to set some farts on fire uh but all the festivities the impromptu fourth of julyness It all gets cut short by a phone call from the boss.
1: An ashen-looking Admiral Forrest informs Archer that his old buddy, A.G., has died climbing Mount McKinley. And clearly, this man is an intimate not only of Archer, but of Forrest, because Forrest is very upset to deliver this news and calls him A.G. So this is someone they both know, that they're both friendly with. I, I was to be clear, and this might be a good time to bring it up. Forces is very personal with with Archer; he always has been from the start. It's a lot of hey, John, listen, you know, John, do this, John, do that. They're
0: they're buds, they're friends. It's not a normal boss subordinate thing between well, the two not. of them. Archer never reports to him or asks for any sort of input whatsoever.
1: And I do like that you get a little bit of understanding as to why these guys are closer than you would normally expect in a paramilitary organization like Earth Starfleet. These guys are boys. They did things together. I know the bo- I know you said the episode is boring and I do agree, but I think like the little character things that it does makes it a worthwhile part of the canon because it makes
0: the characters more fleshed out than they than otherwise really get to be. You could take anything good that this episode did and you could condense it down to 10 minutes what's going to happen is Archer's parade is ruined. He's going to go fly off in the shuttle pod by himself to go light that fart on fire. Trips like, Hey man, let me, let me go with you. And he's like, no, I'm doing this on my own. And then Tripp's like, but I'm an engineer and you should have an engineer. And he goes,
1: no. The subtext of that conversation is that trip knows AG as well, which is important of like, so he was friends with this guy too. So we know, From the jump, Forrest was friends with him. Archer was friends with him. Trip was friends with him. This is an important dude. Interesting. But yeah, like you said, Archer does the mail thing, pushes Trip away.
0: But then, like you said, T'Pol shows up and invites herself along. And this time, Archer's like, okay, well, uh, I guess the top command structure of the ship can, you know, leave and go fly around on a fucking holiday and... Or I told my dude that I should really be out here commemorating the death of our mutual friend. Um, you got a totally rock and space elf body. So, yeah, sure. Uh, by the powers of uh, Rick Berman. Tag, you're in this episode. And it's totally not because I need to
1: have someone who doesn't know this character in order to make my plot work. And this is the best I can come up with. Sure. So, I mean, it should have been that he was explaining who this guy was to fucking Mayweather because it's he was a pilot. So it should have been Mayweather who's like coming along on the mission, you know, I'm going to while you do the charges, Captain, and Mayweather heard about this guy
0: dying and, and, you know, just heard legends. Mayweather could be like, hey, you know, my dad just died and you were there to console me. So now we're going to be cognizant of our own history And I'm going to do you a solid and help you get through the death of your boy. And also, oh, my gosh, is it true that you're actually friends with the guy to break the warp two barrier? Like, I always wanted to hear about him. What a great time for us to BS together. All of these angles that would work if it was Mayweather so much
1: better and would play into what the the dynamic of a, a sort of father son ish thing going on there but a veteran versus a novice. You know, a a novice that, like you pointed out, has recently literally lost their father. No, fuck that. Just put the Paul there, I guess.
0: Because boobies. Get them eyes on the screen. So off they fly, and this is basically going to be a big flashback episode uh, where we go back to what, eight years ago?
1: Yeah, the
0: time difference between.
1: This point in the past is supposed to be around a decade, which they gloss over. They mention it, but like this is pretty far back in the history of all of these characters.
0: This is pre United Earth, then, because I believe, based on our discussions, that it was right before Enterprise launched that Australia finally joined uh, the United Earth. And Basically, solidified uh, a a global power that would then reach out into the stars. And Uh,
1: one one can probably assume that it was well on its way
0: before then, so
1: that it's United Earth was still a thing, but maybe like they still had some more
0: cubed countries other than than Australia. Now that I'm forty, the most wild sci-fi out of all of Star Trek not the not the warp speed or the transporters. A United Earth government. (laughs)
1: Can you fucking believe that?
0: Har har. A non-corrupt United Earth
1: government. Only the 90s, only the optimism of the 60s slash the 90s could have made someone think that would ever happen.
0: So here's why this episode sucks ass. Uh, And it's A.G. What The fuck's his name? A.G. Robinson. Robinson. Let's start with that goddamn name. When is using initials cool or appropriate? Are we sub- like they're trying to portray this guy as like a cool dude, presumably, right? Kind of a rebel, a veteran, whatever. AG, AG, what the attorney general? What you, you couldn't have just called him Rick or Bob or I'm not sure why
1: AG was the choice. Um, it, it, it usually, if you're going to do those kinds of initials, would be like. Alliterative JJ
0: or something like that. But I mean, there's some other cool people in that NX program too. Why why couldn't he be Duvall? Alright, that's that's a name I could get behind for something you're gonna say approximately a hundred times this episode. Second is picking, like you said, Keith Carradine as this maverick hot shot bonviant. I mean, like so this guy's supposed to be Chuck Yeager.
1: Right? Like, you know who Chuck Yeager is, sure. right? He's supposed to be the hottest shit there is in this world. He is the guy who says, yeah, strap me in. I'm Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Let's fucking do it. And he just pulls down the stupidest fucking stunts in the world. And you're like, how the fuck did that just work? I mean, in 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 real life, Chuck Yeager was such a stud at flying planes. He was fighting combat missions from World War II to Vietnam. First time he ever fought a jet, he shot it down in an, in a Mustang. So that's who this dude's supposed to be. This most stud-like pilot you can imagine. And you get the little brother of the Kung Fu guy to get- be this, this, this studly figure.
0: You get Keith Carradine bringing his fucking math teacher energy in there.
1: (laughs) Like, this this dude was a purposefully unexcited FBI agent in his best role. I'm not saying he wasn't good in that show.
0: He was great on Dexter. But that's because he was playing something that was in his range. The way he talks, I don't know if he just eats chapstick. But everything (laughs) just begins and ends with. Let me move the pop filter here. And that's half his lines, right? I, I just read you half the script. Oh, yeah. It, he's just got this peculiar way of
1: opening his mouth. It just keeps happening in a very audible fashion. I can't, can't believe they couldn't edit around that. Or like, Keith, what are you doing with your tongue? <laughs> Please <stop. laughs> We're getting something weird in the audio. But no, he just does it
0: every time. It's just low energy that drags every scene out. And I don't <sighs> know. I can look back on just about any of the featured guest stars that they've had play, a, you know, from from competent bad guys to uh, I mean, you could have gotten Donnie Darko's dad from the f- really you should, not that space bogs wasn't perfectly used in
1: but that
0: prison it- episode, but like a guy like that, right? That mm-hmm. could have brought that that raw alpha energy in
1: this required someone who who understood who they were supposed to play and i don't think that keith carradine understood that at all he was just kind of being your hip
0: uncle the whole time he's the trigonometry teacher that really believes in you and helps you
1: yeah very oh, matter of fact, kind of treated you more like an adult. You really yeah. respected that someone finally did that for you as you were mm-hmm. growing up. That's knows, what Keith Carradine is doing.
0: He knows that you bombed the math elites uh trial, but he he knows you got the right stuff and he's gonna put you on the squad, anyways. So, uh, we jump back in time to then uh Commodore, right? It,
1: yeah, everyone's down a rank, it's Commodore. Yeah, it's Commodore Forest, Commander Archer, and then later on, Lieutenant
0: uh, Tucker. Calls Archer in. Archer has been hitting the simulators hard. Hey, you know, we got to talk. And then Archer starts getting all excited. Nope, it's not going to be you getting to do the uh, maiden test. And what we're going to find out is that the NX program is basically a test bed platform of Archer's father's warp five engine that they're trying to shake out and get ready for deep space exploration. So that's the other weird thing about this is just like Archer's background is he gets to be all of the cool stuff. Not only is he a test pilot, but he also is going to ultimately end up getting to be the fucking captain of the entire starship, which is such a weird it's so
1: high. It's so almost like, uh like uh feudal. <laughs> it's like, it's bequeathed to him. All of these things. No one else is allowed to do these things. Cause his father designed the fucking
0: engine. Like, uh, it reads, what? it reads like a, a 19 or a 20 year olds, like role-playing character background. Yeah. Just yes. I was too, the test pilot cool. who did yeah. all this stuff. And then they made me, the captain of the starship. And then I became the president of the federation. And then I see you right ahead. <laughs> <and> then I, <laughs> and then I developed my Jedi powers and then I've traveled back in time. It, that, that one doesn't
1: happen, but Archer is in Canon, the first president of the federation.
0: I know. And maybe it would have happened had they been able to reach past four seasons. Who knows? <laughs>
1: you're right it's just like just way too many cool points should we call that
0: uh i mean does that start encroaching upon mary sue where you just get to be all of the cool things
1: yeah i think it does i think archer's archer's background is mary sue his actual effectiveness as displayed on screen no grossly incompetent
0: and failure ridden. but yeah on paper On
1: paper, he's a failed Mary Sue. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he is.
0: Yeah, t t sure. (laughs) So uh, he doesn't take the news that he is not going to be chosen as the initial pilot for the NX Alpha flight. And he says, well, you know what? I'm going to support uh, the choice and I'm going to back up old AG with everything I got. And he falls back to what is going to be our major set piece for this episode. And that is, and I'm air quoting here, a bar (laughs) in the air quote city. If you've ever watched a pornography where there is sex in a strip club or some sort of a bar or cafe, know that whatever setting that they have created for the place for those people to have sex where you're absolutely not paying attention to the surrounding is like 60 times better than this goddamn club they use for like eight scenes.
1: And, and The tragedy is this is not even the last time you see the 601 club in this show. Oh, good. They,
0: they use this shitty little set on multiple occasions. Sure, because you can just take any other set, put up two curtains, uh, <coughs> take a folding table and some lawn chairs and put it out. And now there you are. And the, uh, you know, the hard thing watching that, too, is I'm going to, have you watched a lot of uh, For All Mankind yet? No, I have not. Boy, howdy. And the, you want to talk about parallels to anything like For All Mankind, which I have become very fond of. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between that and this. And, and maybe that's why I'm like so turned off by this because it implemented so bad. But, yeah, there's a there's a uh, there's an astronaut hangout called the outpost that is everything this place is not hold on I just want I'm very interested now more so
1: than ever than really getting into the show I did watch the premiere and I liked it and it's like I really need to get into this but but you're saying that Ron Moore didn't like what happened with Voyager so much he created his own with Blackjack and Hookers and then he did it again but this time with Enterprise well <laughs> that's what you're kind of telling me <laughs> He's like, man, that precursor space show wasn't very good. I'm going <laughs> to fucking do that one
0: better, too. I'm going to do some real shit. I'll tell you what. Why don't you do yourself a favor and just not bother with any more Picard until you watch all of For All Mankind?
1: <gasps> oh, that it's a challenge. Which
0: it's I will good. not accept because... Well, foolish of you. Uh, I, I'll just do both, frankly. But <laughs> If you want to embarrass Picard any more than you have to, I mean, sure. But, yeah, I, you know, the... It's supposed to be like this, uh, you know, bleeding edge. All the cool guys, all the risks, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least that's what this AJ guy is supposed to represent. And so much gets laid out in Archer's face as Archer's like, hey, you know, congratulations. Here's a beer. Lots of fake beer consumed in this episode, by the way.
1: Oh, so much. Apparently, Archer's got a real fucking problem with the lager.
0: (laughs) So he goes, hey, you know, here's to you. You did a great job. And, uh, you know, the best of luck to you. And then AJ comes over and goes, well. You know why they didn't pick you, right? And then Archer's like, well, why? And basically says that Archer's a nerd. He spends too much time in the simulator and that uh, he's never going to get command of the starship once the deep space program launches because. Uh, He is too by the book, too rigid. And I quote, uh, you know, when you're out there and decisions need to be made, you're not going to have the option to call back and ask your boss for advice, which little did AG know that the subspace relay was going to be a thing. And in fact, Archer could do that all the time if he wanted. He doesn't, clearly. (laughs) But he could. He could. To great detriments.
1: We see the uh, test not long after of the. NX Alpha, which is definitely just
0: basically the same sort of thing as the Phoenix, a missile looking thing with nacelles and some Chekhov's gun, too, because the guy sitting in the cockpit, which has two seats, you strange some- how strange how that is, I I, th- I would say if there's supposed to be if there's two seats, that probably means there's supposed to be two people in there. So uh, this thing is flying with like 50 percent of its capacity capacity potential like right off the bat you can tell exactly what's going to be happening here and we get the first test he gets the warp two but then you know
1: there's some there's some top gun maverick problems where he's trying to press the leverage too hard he's trying to go faster than he's really able to and the warp field collapses and he ignores the order to stop and so he ends up blowing up the whole fucking thing Now you might
0: think ag is just a boring nerd Liberal arts professor. But it turns out he's a bad boy who doesn't <laughs> listen to the rules. He's too good. So, when like the entire fucking flight control for like the most important space program in years is like, hey, stop before you rip yourself apart and destroy our entire space program with you. He goes, ah, uh, no, I think I can push it a little harder. Like, this is the only shot for this thing to ever fly. And if he doesn't thread the needle in this very moment, you know. The sun's going to explode and terrible things are going to happen. It's like, dude, it, it's a fucking test. Like, chill out. Yeah,
1: you, you can turn it off and then take it back to the barn and tinker with some more and then launch again. The warp weather isn't going to change. You're not trying to to, to beat project cancellations. Is, humanity's all in on this. Take your fucking time, okay? Now, it's okay. who is
0: not all in on that, however, are two ugly-ass, super-severe-looking... Vulcans just chilling out in the background of the I'm going to qu- quote here too. command center. There is no sets that are created for this episode that I don't think I could not have created with the help of the local high school theater department. It's <laughs> yes. like you, you mean to tell me
1: that the most important space launch ever in the history of Earth is going to take place In a side conference room of a Holiday Inn
0: Express. Not even a Holiday Inn Express, dude. This is like my garage with (laughs) a couple 15-inch monitors strewn about. There's roughly four people working. Archer, for being the uh, consolation prize, sorry you didn't get picked to be the test pilot, he gets to be like, the boss guy in flight control hit the back of his monitor. They even put a piece of construction paper with marker that says like, what flight control. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think LeVar Burton was somehow involved in like set decorations? Is I don't this know. Criticism. Is this, cool? I don't know if this was his fault or not, or if it was just like, he had no money for this. Was right. They like, listen, man. Um, He's like, I, I'm tired of these goddamn episodes. You just stuck me with this. Weird, um, what was that last one called with that he did? It was a uh, co genitor, mm-hmm. like they just keep hazing. him. like, okay, cool, you're f- fine, we'll give you an okay script for this next one. But here's the catch here's the monkey paw, you have to build all the sets yourself.
1: <laughs> I, I guess he, he might have just not had much money or all the money when getting such a, a amazing actor, and as <laughs> it's Keith oh Carradine. <laughs>
0: You know, Maybe the like, whole budget went into like beer, and that's why it's so bad. As everybody was just <laughs> drinking non stop?
1: Keith money. There's nothing left to build sets. Oh, Lavar, we're shooting tomorrow. We're on the Keith timer. We need yeah. to come up with sets. Sorry, all I... carpenters are out of town. What are you gonna do?
0: Sorry, guys. I spent all $57 they gave me for this episode on Keith Carradine. <laughs> <laughs> So in this flight control, again, air quotes, flight control in the fucking uh, math department supply closet where they're flying this shit and again, watching this right up alongside for all mankind, where there's like good looking NASA command centers with like, you know, big screen TVs to track this stuff.
1: Or you got- or, or TNG that just had sets with L car light ups and it just looked better than this.
0: It's awful. Uh, so these Vulcans, though, this is the best visual. This might be the best visual I think I've seen in Enterprise. And it is the the picture of a stern, vaguely Asian Vulcan in their kimono with a fucking lanyard. <laughs> like, hello, welcome to Earth. Here's our... Uh, here's, here's, your, our here's
1: your visitor security lanyard. Thank here's you. Here's
0: our super duper high security... Conference room, please put this magnetic stripe card around your neck. It's
1: the idea of like, how else will you know that there are Vulcans here? Like, they're just the all too perfect looking, you know, pointy eared, smooth skinned people that are dressed like they're geishas. I guess those two might be the fucking Vulcans, guys.
0: Awful. So they're standing back there and like, the fuck is going on with this? Like, they just told this dude to abort. We've we have told them because we know what the answer to the test is, right? We looked at the fucking answer key. We know this shit's not going to go well. Hey, your warp field's going to collapse. Everybody's telling uh, old AG drop out. He doesn't. And sure enough, it blows up. And oh my gosh, Archer's really concerned now. AG, AG, can you hear me? Voice <gasps> fade to commercial.
1: When they come back, they cut the tension by letting you know, of course. Yeah, he was fine. I guess the audience already knew. So maybe they weren't really actually trying to build tension there. And he bailed out and he he got stripped of his badge and his gun. Like the the bad cop that he is. Mm -hmm. And everyone's pissed. Everyone's angry. And eventually uh, it turns into an argument in the hangar bay between the Vulcans and Starfleet officers when suddenly a familiar Florida man voice comes from the back, and it's a young trip
0: who's like,
1: no, nah, ain't nothing wrong with that angel. i just going to get that anti-man free. Get this freak.
0: He comes out real sassy and hot, too. Yeah. Um, like, fuck you.
1: know, this shit works. We're just trying to do math and science. No one else on this fucking planet's ever done. Fuck off. Like, uh, alright.
0: <laughs> I think there was a pretty good uh, dig he took directly at the Vulcans. However, I was too sleepy to bother to write it down by courtesy of the slow pacing of this episode. Uh, So he pulls a stunt where he mouths off and basically says like, you know, it's not your call, you know, dictate how this is going to go. And I kind of feel for forced in this entire thing, just being the boss, you're dealing with this terrible situation. You think someone almost just died. Your whole space programs uh, on real shaky bridge. And the three people who get to talk in this episode that are your subordinates are doing everything possible to basically capsize the program and make you look bad in front of your alien sponsors or whatever fucking role the Vulcans are playing in this. I mean,
1: the the context that's missing in the interjection, in my opinion, is like. Trip is just introduced as just some guy. Oh, I'm a engineer on Captain So and So's team. Okay. Why is anyone suddenly entertaining just some guy's comments? You know, you're not the chief engineer on the you didn't design this or that, you didn't create this vert, you didn't craft this version that went into the ship. Why all of a sudden you show up? And then suddenly you're you're best friends with all of these guys and involve yourself in a co-conspiratorial process
0: to basically steal one and do illegal testing. I can buy that because, you know, these guys are pushing for the brass ring so hard they are not afraid to get in trouble along the way. Right. They are. Mm -hmm. They're hell bent on this thing and and they become um, united under this common cause and the fact that trip specifically is out there, uh, MFing the Vulcans to their face. And we know that Archer hates the Vulcans anyways, like that's good, right? That that's a good way to forge a friendship under fire. And Hey, you know, you're will you're, you're willing to get in trouble and mouth off. Like, you know, when you, when you really start breaking formation and becoming an antagonist in a situation, like, you forge very strange alliances very quickly with anybody else who's willing to go along that same trajectory. So I think this is actually a really good story showing where these two came from. Unfortunately, the uh, human sandbag known as AG, uh, Robinson is there to be the third musketeer with him, which doesn't really work. But uh, the rest of that dynamic is, is pretty good.
1: I will ac- actually acknowledge. I think you're right. I think you're on to something with because Trip and Archer were on the same wavelength. Then it makes sense that they would gravitate to each other from that point forward because they suddenly bonded over something, even though they had nothing to do with each other before then. And sure, that's how friendships sometimes start. Now, that's what's, an excellent counterpoint to what I said. Okay, here's
0: another excellent counterpoint: is that uh, you know, Trip comes out yelling at the Vulcans about science and engineering stuff. He's not, in fact coming out yelling about social justice issues and the unfair treatment of uh, some sort of second class citizen on Vulcan, which as far as I know from cogenitor, uh, co-genitor, that's, that's his real passion, right? That's the real thing that, that gets his cackles up and him to act crazy about
1: God. Forbid. I don't know chief who this enge- chief engineer, engineer,
0: just be an engineer. Holy crap. I don't know who this engineer focused person is. How ridiculous. I I do think that it was a mistake
1: maybe to make the chief engineer like such a a, like second lead type of character because in every other Star Trek show, they're kind of a second tier cast, you know, like Geordi was not was never like a top tier cast member. Well, Uh, like nor was uh, Chief O'Brien, nor was B'Elanna. Like they were Scotty. uh, Scotty, too. Scotty was a. Again, you had the trio and then you had everyone else below that. He
0: was definitely one of the guys below that. You know, let's jump back to TNG for a second and talking about chief engineer. I mean, they didn't even have a consistent chief engineer until season. When, when did Geordi actually get installed as chief? Was it two or three? It was in during season two, if I recall. He was in place by season three. I mean, you had. Every goofy last name under the rainbow as the chief engineer. I mean, instead of monster of the week, it was just chief engineer of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until they finally put him in, and Jordy gets. I really like Jordy LaForge as a character. I think they did some great stuff, and a lot of the things that attracted me to Bellana in terms of being like the outsider nerd, mm-hmm. making him like awkward around girls and stuff like that was all pretty great. Uh, but yeah. Making trip, you know he's a he's a character that's built to be on the bridge and be the hothead, sticking up yeah. down in engineering. I agree with silly. Should have been Reed. Should have been Reed. Make yeah, trip, trip, the trip fucking been security Reed guy. Then trip, yeah,
1: terrible. It, so, uh, fucking wet wet bag Robinson shows <laughs> is is there? They action head-
0: grandpa. That's what AG stands for. <laughs> that's At, the other thing too is his, his age like his age really he, this dude is old
1: yeah and this is supposed to be a bunch of young hotheads and he's just not young uh we get a shot in the 602 club that shows that you know uh, forest is down with the boys you know trip and archer kind of introduce each, uh, themselves to each other and so we find out trip <laughs> is that he's charles tucker the third
0: trip triple
1: yeah so there that you go you get clever. that
0: you get that and I, I love the fact that they cut back to the fucking porn set bar it's action grandpa it's trip it's Archer and they're like sitting there with beers already coming out and then Archer's like what's your name I we just somehow magically I went to the bar you came along we're broing out I don't even know what your fucking name is like what is happening right now <laughs> You're some some background. I'm a hot shit test pilot. You're some fucking grease monkey, like from six departments away. I've alienated myself and this program's probably going to be disbanded. Sure. You can be in my fucking fan club, I guess.
1: Yeah. Or just like, well, we've had a moment together, so we should probably get to know each other.
0: (laughs) But the fact he's not even like, like knows what that dude's name is until they're sitting down drinking. That's that's a dude thing, though. Like, want to get a beer? Yeah. Hey, what's your name, by the way? <laughs> are you just Lieutenant Guy? <laughs> There's Lieutenant, There's a whole walk from Starfleet over. Oh, and also, too, what I love about this episode is the gratuitous reuse of the uh, San Francisco headquarters. Hot on the heels of them using this thing heavily for the um, Borg on Ice episode. And it's the exact same shot. And it's just like over. the exact same it's
1: just- this is the exact same loop. Shameless
0: like- San Francisco.
1: First Forrest shows up, breaks the news there. We're pausing the program for 10 years. Cause the Vulcans insisted. And then after that sad news shows up, you've got action. Grandpa the like, <laughs> long faces boys. And they're like, because you fucked up horribly and just destroyed our program. And he's like, fuck you. Your dad's engine sucks. And then it's like, all right, well now we're just all going to fight. We're just yeah. going to punch a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was not my insubordination to refuse your order to drop out of warp. It was your dad. <laughs> your Richard, dad made me stay in warp. Like, okay. You
1: just wanted to fight then. <laughs> Real like, quick. Those are the only answers you, that you give and then he's like, I
0: want to punch you. Yeah. Well, I want to get in a fist fight. In the bar, there's a bartender. Is this the same bartender from Shuttle Pod 1? Good question. Very good question.
1: Is that because Reed and that
0: everyone dated, right? Well, that everybody apparently had relations with, and that Trip was lovesick over and Reed, she was just like a throwaway booty call. Oh, she is.
1: She is. I just looked her up separately. As they were alone and approaching death, it's Ruby. Trip Tucker and Malcolm Reed both shared that they once had intimate relations with Ruby. This is the Eskimo brother Link. This is the bartender at the club that fucked all the all the fucking officers.
0: It is the uh, Delaney sisters of Enterprise. It's oh boy, but lady, you're serving the Federation. i will just mm-hmm. say it that way, you know. Like it's a, some real Dina Meyer vibes off. I was like, oh man, tell me the tell me you got some Starship Troopers up in here, but no, it's some other lady. You ready to do your part? So yeah, the the big tension piece here again calling archer's daddy back up to the forefront action grandpa says the engine's flawed uh there's nothing wrong with me you need to which is fucking preposterous right and he never the whole thing here is the ship blew up and the ship blew up because he didn't drop out of warp and they kind of call it to that uh action grandpa's like It wouldn't have mattered if I dropped out of warp because the ship would have blown up. And then Archer's like, Well, we would never know, anyways, because you didn't. And then, yeah, your dad's design sucks, which is like, feels like this is an elementary school fight. Like, you're arguing, Your dad's a shitty doctor. Everything your dad fixes at the auto place falls apart. Like, okay. They have a big shitty brawl. Archer's Um, dick gets so
1: hard. (laughs) He gets so many head wounds from action grandpa. Ruby stands
0: there and is like, hey, Trip, are you going to like do anything about this? And he's like, no. <laughs> you never get between two men that are fighting with erections. What's wrong with you, woman? <laughs> Eventually it
1: ends, and Ruby's like, you're both stupid, everyone's dumb, and you inevitably have the... They've got the bad... i was in a fist fight but not actually because they have no bruises just cuts for some reason like someone had a knife (laughs) a broken (laughs) beer bottle
0: (laughs) just real dirty pool fight one of them busts the other with a sawed off pool cue and the other guy breaks a beer bottle like goes for his kidneys with it i'm watching them and they're fighting at one point archer falls i was like man it looks like his head's gonna go right in this chair and i was like god what if archer like Clocks action grandpa and he goes down and takes the stool to the neck like million dollar baby and then and then from that point forward like action grandpa stuck in the Christopher Pike hover chair and then thinking like him falling off a cliff on Mount Everest on his hover chair
1: unfortunately action grandpa is not paralyzed and instead the fight just ends and they have the scene where they're back at head at the uh, NX test headquarters. Empty in their lockers when Archer's like, well, what if actually you're right and we could fix it we well, can change before we the get the ratio?
0: If you thought the set designs for the NX beta, uh the bar or and again, I'm air quoting here command central <laughs> were bad when action grandpa's cleaning his locker out and he's got a fucking sterilite container you buy from Walmart. Just straight, you, you know what I'm, yeah. like, it's the ones that I used to buy when we would go to conventions, and I would mix up uh, that, that like, Everclear booze punch in. Absolutely, I remember that. It's, it's ridiculous. They couldn't even give this guy, like, a future. they couldn't even give him a, a real, like, duffel bag or something, They're like, here's a yeah. fucking Sterilite container, a purple Sterilite container, and you're gonna put your jumpsuit in there, Grandpa. Literally just bought that motherfucker from Walmart on the way in. <laughs> not even trying to prop it up at all i would love to see lavar burton's like diary through this thing and just outrage at what they're making him deal with or maybe he found a way to like embezzle money from the show <laughs> that's that's where the budget went it's like some
1: sort of odd hollywood grift he like hey, paid, a, paid his friends firms to do his sets for him yeah allegedly. Levar, i'm not well, actually
0: i'm not actually accusing anyone of fraud allegedly Lavar, we're looking at uh, the invoices here. What's uh, LB Productions that you've outsourced all of these set construction to and prop master? Is that you? Did you just pocket an entire show's budget? Allegedly. Allegedly.
1: (laughs) Very important that that's alleged. So we have the empty your locker. No, let's actually do the thing you talk about. Okay, what are we going to do? What if we just fucking steal it? And that's where they decide the they're going to go with this. This plot is that they're going to just get in the NX beta trip is going to like fake a signal so that they don't know it's launching until it's like already past the moon. And then they're going to go out there and test the modifications to see if it works to to get the ship stable at warp 2.5.
0: Lots of shout outs to New Berlin in this one. The yeah. lunar base Mention it twice. Uh, Archer does admit that he had been blind by his admiration to his father to actually be critical of the uh, engine design and says, oh yeah, it turns out there is an intermix problem and I think we can correct it. Luckily, we put two seats on the ship so we can both go up and, you know, I can babysit this engine while you push it and we break these records. So the game plan is going to be to do an illegal run and to do so good that they're able to wow over." Commodore Forrest, who will then go before whatever the fuck Starfleet is as a government body and uh, overthrow the Vulcan recommendation that they mothball the project and save the day. Which ultimately, you know that they're successful, so there's not right. a lot of uh, excitement here. Really, it's it's very it's very much
1: the plot you would expect from this point forward. Because it is the, um, it's the origin of Starfleet Order, uh, Starfleet General Order Number 2. Hmm. Remember? Like, DMs the f- most Justify important- the means. Yeah. Starfleet General Order 1, Prime Directive. Starfleet General Order 2, uh, insubordination is completely justified as long as it works.
0: That's how you lesson- get shit done.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, I can defy orders as long as I end up getting a dub in the end. So let's go.
0: It's pretty cool watching the NX launch because it's got like this roll like top speed dragster style track. It shoots out, hits this big ramp up flies off. It's the Uh, coolest idea in the the whole episode (laughs) after the Vulcans with lanyards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That can be the the episode title, by the way, (laughs) terminators on ice Vulcans Vulcans. dot 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 with lanyards. Uh, Trip luckily was able to uh, faithfully recreate the command center by putting a 15-inch monitor on a tool cart. <laughs> and uh, That's uh, com- what
1: we're managing the space flight with.
0: Manages the entire space program with a 15-inch monitor on top of tool cart hidden behind a box <laughs> in the hangar. Faithful recreation of the actual command center. The only thing he's missing <laughs> is Vulcans with lanyards.
1: I, I mean, if only the show was self-aware enough to comment on, like, you're going to manage our entire spaceflight from this
0: this single console behind this box. And it's like, do you want to steal this spaceship or not? Let's go. Who are the fucking producers at this point? Like, it, as, it's, uh, uh, what's the, Sussman and Phyllis Strong, right? Yeah. Do you think they swung by the set to see how filming was going? Okay, here's a big part where they're doing their legal mission. Like, uh, all right, Lavar, where's the command center set up for this one? It, it's it's a it's a monitor on a rolling cart. Yeah, it looks great. Trust me. Listen, I've been doing Trek a long time. People are gonna love it. They fly up. There's a scene with uh, Force where one of his lackeys come in, like, "Hey, um, New Berlin just reported that the NX Beta is flying, but our sensors say it's still in the shop." And then Force is like, "Did anybody fucking look at where like?" <laughs> A super top secret shit which realistically should have been on like who's running the security ops for starfleet at this point i was the I'm realest
1: an- the realest the starfleet officer has ever been just Arch for just for him to just look at the guy and be like did someone look <laughs> did someone fucking check
0: um can you please get chief of security tuvok on the line and ask him if he bothered to lock the goddamn door so they go out you got archer you got action grandpa and action grandpa has a little change of heart and goes hey you know what while we're out here flying around we got our test suits on there's arguably no atmosphere in this thing which is why we have like full flight suits with helmets on you want to unbuckle and and do a quick chinese fire drill here (laughs) it's like no
1: uh
0: archer is not
1: cool enough he also has to be the first person to fly at warp 2.5 faster than space chuck yeager
0: yeah action grandpa I'd love to pilot. You can go ahead and ride shotgun and uh, hit the intermix here and they zip off and then security rushes the makeshift command center while uh, Commodore Forrest goes back over to the conference room where they've got uh, the regular command center. Also, the Vulcans are showing up because they were just chilling out in the hallway, waiting for a reason to flash their super cool lanyards again. Sure enough, Archer breaks, uh, what, warp three? Uh, no, they get to warp they get to warp 2.5. Yay, come on back. You did a great job. Get in, dresses them down. Force does a pretty decent job chewing them out. I guess I just don't buy the
1: idea that the punishment they get makes any sense. Like, I'm sorry, my suspension of disbelief does not extend so far that Starfleet could be a serious organization with serious rules if you have key officers who steal your most priceless piece of equipment and just te- and defy your orders to test a repair, which apparently is something that whatever United Earth's government has decided they're not going to pursue anyway. And it's like, well, we got suspended for a fucking while and we were grounded for a year, but eventually everything was fine. Like, nah, bro, you're all going to the federal penitentiary. You're gonna be uh, kicking
0: with Paris here in New Zealand. Yeah, like, it's just, no, none of this, none of that works. They went too far. Not with... only do they completely dodge any real consequence in this, Archer is ultimately selected to be the captain of the Enterprise and go off and represent Earth and deep space. Like, it's silly. It, it's real silly. It's that space, it's at the American cowboyism ism of Enterprise that we've criticized before this is real Johnny blue jeans stuff here, you know, Mavericks rogues, you know, forging the, the, the final frontier, uh, you know, with tack and leather. And, and at the end of the day, general order Two. Hey, you pulled it off. We saved the space program. How great. the, The plot's almost a little too low tech, you know, like unserious
1: for some, for the stakes that you've established in the Star Trek universe. It just, this isn't some sort of like, local guys decide to break the rules and somebody with enough authority can overlook it because it ends up being net good, but only because not enough people know about it. Like you fucked up on a global scale, literally, and then did some shit where like there is no forgiveness and it's all fine because you guys are just that
0: cool. Meanwhile, in the present uh, Archer and Tapal had been trying to set the farts on fire and it isn't until the last two uh, <laughs> the last two mini fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> they finally set the farts on fire and it looks real cool. And to Paul's trying to do science. And then Archer's like, no, look at this. Look at this. It's like that screensaver from windows 95. It's great. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is uh why a G and I, uh, why action grandpa and I pushed the limits as hard as we did. Was this right here? How great. They you get like back. one last. you get like a last scene where,
1: it's the last time the two of them talked right before Archer left in the NXO one. And he's like, I'll be out there right behind you kid. <laughs> like, um, I'm not getting what you're wanting to communicate here. You're trying to make me care about this guy and their relationship and action. Grandpa hasn't been convincing the whole time.
0: Yeah. And I meant to mention that in the beginning, right? First of all, AG is a dumb name. Second, I got bogged down in the low energy Keith Carradine brings to all of this. But one of the worst offenses of this. Jump back to that Voyager episode. We really shit on hard. Uh, They're just inventing a character out of thin air and expecting me to give a shit about them.
1: Ah, Harry's Canadian girlfriend. That's that's the syndrome that this has. Like, who is this guy I've never seen before that I suddenly got to think is the best friend of my episodes protagonist. This is
0: stupid you're asking me to make this big fucking leap of care that this guy and his low energy actics had you brought in some real talent or someone I could really get excited about. And we've had a couple like really great uh, guest stars in enterprise, you know, Keith Carradine, you might as well get in fucking uh, what's his name? George Costanza in here. (laughs) (laughs) I, I almost would have respected the episode more if you would have went for like, some pudgy
1: comedian, right? Jason Alexander rolls up and is like, Admiral Forrest!
0: <laughs> <laughs> John, you're two by the book. Uh, but had you really been able to stick this uh action, I'm sorry, AG as a uh a viable action type character and, and bring some charisma and some of that Chuck Yeagerness into it, have this episode and then make this episode matter. Later on, um, where, hey, it turns out this dude never really died on the mountain. We just assume he died and really. Romulans or the Suluban kidnapped him, and they've been using this guy to, you know, thwart the Federation somehow. You know, they've turned him into a turncoat and given like Archer and Nemesis. I have been a neat idea. I like that. Then you make episodes like this worth it. But as it stands, this is a bullshit story you could have summarized in five minutes of dialogue with DePaul. And uh, I think if you would have just provided the context of what happens here, you could have still established like, oh, yeah, like Trip and I, we both mouthed off to the same group of Vulcans in front of uh, Admiral (laughs) Forrest, Admiral Forrest. And like we went into detention together and like we brought up there real hard. And and Uh, just the idea that, like, because
1: Admiral Forrest also hates the Vulcans, he secretly loves that they fucking mouth off to them, and he becomes, like, their their bro as well, and that's why all the three of them are so fucking tight. Sure. Like, that's all, the part of this episode that's cool is that dynamic of, like, these men bonded.
0: They bonded in a very strange way, and we're conveying that to the audience. And if you would have told the story in passing, too, uh, none of these embarrassing set pieces would have mattered. And also, when you get to the end, you know, to Paul could be like, so wait a minute, you stole the NX beta prototype and against orders flew off on a rogue mission and they didn't just court martial you and you actually got captain of the Enterprise. Be like, yeah, Starfleet was crazy back then. Anyways. <laughs> well, she kind of says that, like, I have a
1: hard time believing this is true because you're in charge. Like, why in the world would they give a delinquent this command? He's like, yeah, we uh, we covered up that we did this <laughs> What's that it was bullshit. So line?
0: What's that bullshit line that she threw out there where it's like, oh, you know, a captain needs to be this and also have the respective or something else. And then she's like, well, I'm just saying that you have both of those. And it's like, eh, are we talking about the same John Archer here? Because this dude sucks. And he absolutely is not great captain material, but. Whatever, Paul, you do you. All right. What are we watching next week? Next week, we're going into Bounty. Season two, episode 25. We've got a real ugly looking dude in this uh, little picture here. Archer is captured by a Tellarite bounty hunter who plans to hand him over to the Klingons. A microbe induces the pond far into Paul, who finds herself confined to the decon chamber with Flocks.
1: The face you're making says it all, man.
0: So that B plot's that B a, plot's
1: a rough one.
0: Again, two two plots that may somehow work well with other things, but here, uh, hey, archers are going to be sold off and probably murdered, and also to Paul's horny. <laughs> Join
1: us next week
0: um oh, Here, here's here's your alpha plot uh to paul's horny also what's reed's favorite flavor cake like there you go
1: those, sure. those work together but these are not going to work together i already can tell you these aren't going to work together and you can join us for reviewing how they don't work together mayweather's dad is
0: dead and his brother's a little jerk also to paul's horny <laughs> or you know what take this goddamn episode archer tells some boring work stories nobody cares about action grandpa and to paul's horn it's
1: like the subplot of every other fucking episode of this show mm-hmm. oh, see you next week i guess Yeah.